grab your Bibles, Matthew chapter number 6, first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter number 6 this evening. We'll read the first 13 verses responsively. I'll begin reading in verse number 1. You'll join me on verse number 2, and we'll alternate down through verse number 13. Matthew chapter number 6 this evening, beginning on verse number 1. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 1, the Bible says, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them, otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. When thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth thee in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking." Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner, therefore pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we do love you. We thank you for the opportunity of relationship with you that's made available through salvation. Lord, we thank you for a place that we can come and hear the word of God preached. Lord, we thank you for our country. Lord, she's not what she used to be and she's not what she should or could be. But we thank you for what she still is. Lord, we thank you for places across this country tonight that will stand and preach the word of God. Now tonight as we hear the word of God being preached, Lord, may we not be vain or proud in our thoughts and, and of our view of our relationship with you. But Lord, may we humble ourselves and recognize the need of our relationship with you both personally and those around us, teaching them what the word of God says. And as the preacher preaches tonight, may you do just that in our hearts and our minds. Show us where we can improve our relationship with you. We'll ask your hand on this service and all these things in your name. Amen. And you may be seated. Keep your Bibles open there to Matthew chapter 6. I don't know if we really understand the power available to us through prayer. I don't know if we really understand the impact prayer has. I mean, uh, this person has no idea. I had no idea they were going to do something today. They had no idea what I was preaching today. But Loretta this morning came by. She was coming in. She said, Preacher, 
Do you remember this? She'd been looking through some of Jimbo's things since he's gone to heaven. She found a letter that I had written Jimbo. How long ago was that, Loretta? Good night, 15, 20 years ago? Probably close to that. And it said, Brother Jimbo, it's 4.23 a.m. I was praying for you. I began to, just, I just had written a letter to him about 25 after 4 that morning telling him I was praying for him. That man kept that letter for 15, 20 years. You didn't know Jimbo like I did. He was a rough critter. I mean, he had to put up with Loretta. Uh, <laughs> now, wait a minute. Uh, I, she said, do you remember this? I don't remember. I remember doing that often, but not necessarily that one time. But we don't realize how powerful praying for someone could be. And yet, and I think I can speak as one of you, prayer is one of those things that was the hardest thing for me to learn how to do well. It just felt awkward. You know, talking to somebody you can't see is a little, sometimes people think you're a little nuts. And I get it. It's amazing to me how I've seen God answer prayer. You're sitting in a building that is a direct answer to prayer to God. Not just by this preacher, but by a lot of people in this room. Uh, miraculous things. And I, I won't even bore you with the details because we would be here for days. All the stories I could tell. Uh, I've seen God heal people. And, and I'm not talking about I slapped them in the head and that kind of stuff. No, we've seen God do some miraculous things. And yet we've seen some people, God healed them by taking them to heaven. I've seen people get saved miraculously. Y'all didn't know, some of you didn't know Fred Skaggs. Those of you laughing did. Fred Skaggs is the hardest person I ever won to Christ. He was less than one hour from dying at one point in time. He almost died five times. One of those times I said, Fred, you're going to die and go to hell. I'm not ready yet, preacher. Dude, how, long, how much longer are you going to wait? I remember the day when Fred got saved. And when he got saved, he was like old Rover. He got saved all over. Fred couldn't breathe. He had emphysema and COPD. Fred had his oxygen bottle with, a, with wheels on it. And he went out with Brother Barnes door to door, passing out tracks and witnessing. You're talking about a guy that when, when Wally came, she said, Oh, I don't want to be at my house if you go see my husband. She left. She literally left. I told her when I was coming, she said, Good, I'm getting out of here. She said, he might have a gun. I said, I got mine. I'm not worried. And she was serious. A hard man. But when Fred got saved, Fred got saved. I remember the day I stood right here and they redid their wedding vows. You don't understand. Fred hadn't told Wally he loved her and probably... 25, 30 years till that day. You just don't understand the bigness of things. Now, many people call this passage the Lord's Prayer. 
don't get mad at me. I think it's misnamed. It's not the Lord's Prayer. It's not something that we're supposed to pray over and over and over and over and over and over. It is an outline for praying. It is not a prayer to pray. And I'm going to show you something here in just a moment. Look at verse number 7, Matthew chapter 6, verse number 7. Now, watch these, watch these words. But when ye pray, use not what? Vain repetitions, as the heathen do. Oh, vain repetition. In other words, it's not something that you're supposed to just say over and over and over and over and over and over and over vainly just to say that you did something. Just to say, look at me. Talks about the hypocrites and blowing trumpets and doing their alms before people. And, and he said, don't do your alms before people. Do it before God and don't care whether people see it or not. <laughs> I know a guy that was uh, had some means and uh, he was not a bad man, but he was a vain man. He was a proud man. And it was funny. He helped build a certain structure at a church one time. And he came to me and said, now, don't tell anybody, but I'm the one that paid for that. And it amazed me that everybody in a church of about a thousand knew who paid for that, but nobody ever told anybody. <laughs> Guess who did? <laughs> That's what God's talking about there. Do not your alms before men so that people will praise you for it. Now, God says don't use vain repetition. Turn to Luke chapter 11. Keep your finger in Matthew 6. We're coming back to it. The same account is given in Luke 11. It's worded just slightly different, but there's one statement in here I want you to see. And I think it will help you, and we'll go back to Matthew 6 right away, and you'll see how these two passages work together here. Look at Matthew chapter, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 11, verse number 1. And it came to pass that as... He was praying in a certain place. So Jesus is praying and the disciples hear him praying. When he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, when you pray, our father, and he goes into this. Now, look at, the, look at verse number uh, one again. Notice it says, teach us to pray, not teach us a prayer. Teach us to pray. He didn't say teach us a prayer. Go back to Matthew chapter 6. Look at verse number 9. After this, what's the next word? Manner, therefore pray ye. He didn't say, pray this prayer. He said, let me give, I, I think personally, the appropriate term for this passage would be the Lord's outline for prayer. This is an outline of prayer. Uh, how many of you, when you were uh, in school or something, you would remember things by little jingles or little sayings or little, you know, you'd memorize 
you know, and have a little saying that goes and you knew what each word meant and you were able to remember things. You all know what I'm talking about? That's what the Lord's Prayer is. It's an easy way to remember an outline in order to effectively get a hold of God and pray. And tonight, I'm going to teach you that outline. Now, let me say this. You don't have to pray through anyone. You have direct access to God. You don't have to come to the preacher, and I'm not the only one that's supposed to pray. Now, if you want me to pray for you, I'll be glad to do so. I pray with a lot of people. But God doesn't hear you just because you came to me. But I believe that the more people you get involved sometimes, the better off you are. And I'm good with that. Uh, The kids know what I'm talking about. You want to go do something, you get your friends to tell your parents they're doing it, so can I do it too? You get more involved, the better off your chances are. Unless your dad's like mine. (laughs) That trick didn't work very often, amen? But... Uh, You have direct access to God. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit moves inside and is our spirit that communicates with his spirit and he tells our needs to the Father for us. We have direct access. You can't pray through Mother Mary. Well, she's the mother of God. No, she's not. She was a a, a lady that (laughs) birthed the body of Jesus and the miraculous as I said a couple of weeks ago on Wednesday night, the miracle of the virgin birth was not the virgin, it was the father. Had nothing, there were many virgins, there was only one father that could have a baby through a virgin. And that's God. So the miracle wasn't the virgin, the miracle was the father. Now, let's jump into this. I have 21 minutes and we've got to hurry. There are six things in this outline. There are six statements that are, uh, I don't know if you'd call them bullet points. Uh, If you want to, in outlining, you have six major points. That's what this outline is. It's six major points about prayer. So I'm going to give you these six things. I'm going to run through them quickly. I'll explain them and we'll go, go to the house. Amen. Number one, God says, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Point number one is God's name needs to be exalted. Right beside point number one or uh, verse number uh, nine there, the word worship. I mentioned this this morning. There's no such thing as public worship. There's not. I love my wife. I'm not afraid to stand here and look at my wife and say, honey, I love you. But when I go home, I'm going to do more than just say that. But that's safe for home, not here. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Now, I love my wife. I may hold her hand at church. I might put my arm around her. (laughs) I never get to sit with her in church, but that's all right. She likes it that way. I mean, uh, (laughs) now wait a minute. (laughs) You have to understand, 33 years in the ministry, we rarely sit in church together. Rarely sit to church. Uh, I'll be on vacation and think, man, I get to sit with my wife in church, and then the preacher will ask me to preach. I don't get to sit with my wife in church. Now, wait a minute. I I love my wife. I love being with her. But that intimacy is left for a private time, not public. 
Worship is that intimacy between you and your God. That's, uh, worship is telling God how wonderful he is. How, how in, in, impressive he is. How, how much majesty he is. Uh, that he is the king eternal, everlasting. He is wonderful, counselor, all those things. He's just. He's truth. He is all the things this world is not. He is light in a world of evil. And we could go through all the things that God is. That's what worship is. Worship is, can I say this and not be disrespectful? It's kind of like buttering God up a little bit. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. You go to your husband, honey, you're just so wonderful. You're so big and strong smelling. Uh, but, uh, and every man's thinking, okay, what's she going to ask for now? Y'all know what I'm talking about? And you don't mind giving it to her because you don't mind the false buttering up. Did you know if you, <laughs> what if your children, all they did was come to you when they wanted something and said, give me this, give me that, give me this, give me that. And no relationship, don't talk to you any other time, but when they want something. That's how we treat God. Why is it okay for you to do that to God, but when your kids do it, you get upset? Can you see why God might not want to answer you? He wants a relationship with you, and he wants to be, I love my wife. I'm not afraid to tell her things. We talk. Say, why? I enjoy being with her. That's the reason we got married. It wasn't because I didn't know how to do laundry. It wasn't that I didn't know how to cook. It wasn't any of those things. I enjoyed being with her. I enjoy going through life with her. We don't enjoy every event of life, but we enjoy going through those events together. I wish you could have seen my wife's face the day my grandson was born. I don't, and, and don't take this the wrong way, but the previous two months had been pretty rough on our family. Been through a lot of things. And I watched that little lady come out of that hospital room. And I haven't seen her smile that big since the day we got married. The relief and the excitement. And I thought, it's worth it all right there. Worth it all right there. She got to see her first live birth. Now, she birthed three, but she didn't get to see it. She got to see one. And she got to see it being her grandson. I love it. Say, where were you? Church. I was right with God. She stayed at the hospital. I went to church. Little stinker. The pastor called me up on the platform to pray that morning. While I'm standing in the pulpit, my phone's buzzing in my pocket. I got back to my seat and I looked at my phone and it's from my wife. She said, you look good on television. <laughs> they were watching it live stream. So yeah, you were just phone checking me to see if my phone was going to go off. I know how that works. Yeah, I love my wife, amen? Wait a minute. Uh, God wants a relationship with us. God's not the genie in the bottle and you rub the bottle and he pops out and says, what do you want? 
But that's the way we pray. And the only time we talk to him is when we want something or when we need something. God wants us to take time to love on him. To spend time with him. Brother Andy, I'm going to unplug this. It's making static noise, sorry. You all probably didn't hear that, but I did. I just didn't want it to blow up, amen? So, worship. By the way, it keeps you in love with God. It'll keep you humble. When you realize how small you are to God. How needy you are to God. You're less apt to be so arrogant. (laughs) And by the way, sometimes you forget all that you wanted to ask for yourself because you start talking to God and how great he is. Sometimes your little pity, any little problem doesn't mean much because you've enjoyed being with God. So, God's name needs exalted. By the way, that's why we shouldn't let people talk bad about God. Defend him. Number two, uh, verse number uh, 10, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. That means this, uh, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We ought to be praying that God would use us to help more people for his kingdom. That's seeing people get saved. Asking God to give us opportunity. Now, I'm going to make a statement here. (laughs) Don't crucify me. I'm not against you praying for somebody to get saved, but God wants them saved more than you do. I hate to tell you something. It's not God's job to make somebody get saved. He already did everything necessary. He put the responsibility on us to get the gospel to them. Maybe instead of praying for God to send, uh, for this person to get saved, maybe you ought to take that time and get up and take your Bible and gospel tracts and go talk to somebody and show them how to get saved. I really believe if you have family members that need saved and they won't listen to the gospel, if you'll start telling other people how to get saved, eventually God will send somebody that that family member will listen to and at least hear the gospel. I believe that. I believe that we ought to do our part. We have to ask God for more boldness to tell more people about the Lord. Just don't put the tracks in the mailbox. (laughs) Praying for people to get saved. I just got this from uh, our missionary brother Kevin Wind out of Mexico City for February. Juan was riding on a public bus, not that one, uh, when some armed men got on his bus to rob the people. Unfortunately, this is quite common here in Mexico City. He was splattered with blood walking down the street with no money left for another bus when one of our church buses saw him and offered him a ride. We run some 285 buses on Sunday. Juan was touched in his heart that anyone would give him a ride in his condition. This is a funny part of the story for me. On the bus, he received Christ as Savior. He asked, where are you guys going? He got on the bus not knowing where he was going. When he was told to church, he asked, can I go with you? He was baptized that Sunday and has been coming faithfully ever since. Praise the Lord. 
Guatemoc and his wife Janet were steeped in the religion of Santeros, a mix of Catholicism and voodoo and Satanism. They were saved during a Saturday soul winning, baptized Sunday, and have been coming faithfully in their receiving many death threats since they were quite well known for their religion. Still, they're happy serving God. Please pray for them. Listen to this. In February, 54,072 people were saved in preaching services and 1,021 baptized. We started several more churches. I usually only report about here in Mexico City, but we're seeing great things in our works in South America and India as well. None of this is possible without your giving and your prayers. Missionary Kevin Wynn. I don't mind supporting a missionary like that. I don't mind taking some of our money to get the gospel out for people like Juan who gets beat up and robbed on a bus, jumps on another bus, not even knowing where they're going, gets saved and said, where are we going? We're going to church. Well, can I go with you? Yeah, you're on the bus. I love that. I love that. I love that. That's called praying for thy kingdom to come. Asking for God for opportunities to get the gospel out. Asking for opportunities to help serve or love someone. Hey, that's what God's talking about. When's the last time you asked God to use you to help somebody? And not even somebody that you know. I mean a total stranger. You see, maybe if we would learn to help others, we would get our eyes off our own problem and our problem wouldn't be as big as we think it is. Amazing how when we have a problem, it's just right there. But if we put it aside and go help somebody else, we come back and pick it up and say, it's not as heavy as I thought it was. It's not as big as I thought it was. We get so focused on us and God wants us focused on others. So God's name to be exalted. Number two, God's kingdom to be uh, expanded. Number three, thy will be done. Praying for God's will in our life. Now, <laughs> please listen to this carefully. I don't believe God preset everything to happen in your life to happen exactly as it happens. We're sinners, we have a will to choose. Other people are sinners, they don't always choose what's right, and it affects us. I think a perfect God could do a whole lot better than the way this world's ending up. He doesn't control all the circumstances. Listen to this. But he will help control the circumstances that we give him control of. When we say, God, control me, help me, guide me, use me, and even some of the events that take place in that may not be what he wants, but he'll get the best out of it that he can. You have to pray for God's will. It was God's will for me to marry Debbie Cox, June 24th, 1989. Yes, I do know my anniversary. It was God's will. Has everything been a bed of roses and perfect and everything since in the last 33, almost 34 years? For me, yes, but not for her. She married me. Uh, We've been through a lot. And can I tell you something? We're not done going through a lot. This is life. We hadn't been married three months, four months, something like that. Four or five months. My mother-in-law called. I was home for 
less than an hour between college and going to work, and I was working two jobs. I was working at the college and taking, I had already graduated and putting her through her last year. We had a little studio apartment about the size of this platform, not much bigger than that. And I was sitting on the couch with her. I was getting ready to leave for work in about 10 minutes. My, and the phone rang. That was before cell phones. And it was my mother-in-law. I said, oh, hi, Mom. She said, I need to talk to you, not Debbie. Okay. I was newly married. That didn't mean much. I've learned to know that when mother-in-law calls and she wants to talk to you, it's not good news. She said, I need you to tell Debbie some bad news. I thought, okay. She said, my dad just died, her grandfather. Her grandfather helped raise her. She said, we'll, I'll call, call her later and we'll work out the details. I said, well, let me talk to her and then you can call her and you all can work out what we need to work out. I had to sit on the couch and tell my wife that her grandfather that we had just seen in June, first time I ever met him, he was now dead. Now you know I don't like my mother-in-law. No, uh, I love my mother-in-law. Wait a minute. That was the first of real bad news. That wasn't the last of it. That was the first. There's more bad news coming. But guess what? We're walking through it together. We walk through it together. Is it always what we want? No, but as long as we're walking together, we can take it. That's what God's talking about here. God's will to be done. Asking God to guide you and to help you and to get the best for him out of whatever you're going through at the moment. I'm talking about going to work. I'm talking about uh, everything that you do. So God's will to be done. It should be that we ask God for our desires to match his desires, not making him do what we want. When's the last time you asked God to give you the desires of your heart? In other words, for you to desire what he wants you to desire. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. He didn't say he'd give you whatever you want. He did say that he would change what you desire in life. I've got to hurry. Number four. Look at verse number 11. Give us this day our daily bread. That's not talking about a booklet either. You older people know what I'm talking about. <laughs> daily bread. When's the last time that you literally not just thank God for the food you have, but you ask him to keep providing it? Well, preacher, I got a pantry full and a freezer full and a refrigerator full. Yeah, but I think if we don't ask him when it's full, when it's empty, we got problems. I really do. When's the last time before you went shopping, ladies, that you thank God that there was money there to get the groceries and thank him for providing it? When's the last time you put clean clothes on and you thank God for providing your clothing? It's the last time you went home and quit complaining about the house and thank God you have a place to live. 
I wished I had a bigger one. I wished I had this. I wish. How about we just thank God for what we have and, and we pray to ask God to continue to use and to help. I don't need a big house. I need the house I have. I need to pay it off. I need to enjoy it. I don't need a fancier place. I just need to do what I'm supposed to do with what I have and be thankful for what I have and to take care of it. Our basic daily needs. By the way, if you'll pray for food with a full refrigerator, when it, when it starts getting empty, it makes praying a whole lot easier because you've been thanking him while it was full. Again, listen to this statement. If you only go to him when you need something and you never talk to him at any other time, what's the chances of getting what you want? Maybe if we had that relationship, God would see our need as he does our church and provide it before we need it. Next. So much I want to say. Look at verse number 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Wow. This is where you get into big league Christianity. That means this, forgive us our debts. That means you tell God you're sorry for what wrong you've d done. When's the last time you looked at God and said, God, I blew it? Well, I haven't done that, preacher. I haven't blown anything yet. You just did. We all do wrong. I don't know about you. My daddy taught me when I was a child. If you come to me and tell me you did something wrong, you still may get punished but if I find out and I have to, have to corner you on it, you're going to get twice as much. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's not good. When you hide the peas under the cushion on the kitchen chair and mama doesn't find them for two or three days, the beating's far worse, trust me. I still hate peas, but I don't put them on the chair. That happened 50 years ago, and I'm still not going to, I still hate peas. But I'm still not going to put them under a cushion on the chair. Uh, it was found out. And it wasn't found. I, I just flat out forgot. Until I got summons to the kitchen one day. I forgot about it. Dad said, remember the other night when I asked you if you ate your peas? I went, uh-oh. <laughs> Judgment's come. Execution time is coming. Don't lie now, it's going to get worse. You know, God also says not only pray for the wrong you've done, but how about you pray for those who have wronged you? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. When you learn to pray for people who have done wrong to you, You'll never understand the joy of Christianity. I promise you. I have a man who for many years hated me. Hated the mention of my name. Tried to run me over in a parking lot one day. Literally. I had to jump between two cars so I didn't get hit. Hated me. I remember one day I got a text from him. Asked me to pray for him because he had a, a, a disease. 
For a couple of years, I have prayed for that man every day, texted him every day that I prayed for him. I got a text from that man, 5 o'clock this morning. He said, Brother Bush, I'm praying for you and I love you. When you learn to forgive others who have done wrong to you, it's a whole lot easier going to God and say, God, I blew it. Would you help me? What right do we have to go to God and ask him to forgive us if we're bitter and angry at everybody that's done wrong things to us? You say, well, I'm going to ask God to kill them. <laughs> no, ask God to take the evil away, but to protect the evildoer. I've asked God many a time to take evil away. I've been attacked by evil more times than I can count. And I often say, God... It's not up to me what you do to the evildoer, but stop the evil. But would you protect the evil person's family? Don't make them go through unnecessary hardship. <laughs> if you'd learn to love people that way, you'd see your sin as your sin really is. Ask God to help you Forgive those who have done wrong to you. And lastly, look at verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation. Can I tell you something? Temptation is not sin. Yielding to temptation is. But why do so many of us live as close to temptation as we can get? If you struggle with alcohol, don't go to the bar to eat. You all understand? I don't mean to be unkind. If you struggle giving up cigarettes, don't go where the people are sucking cigarettes. If you struggle with certain types of music, don't go where those types of music are. You know... <laughs> It's one thing to have a problem. It's another thing to build your house right next to it. You see, God says, deliver us from temptation. He didn't say, keep the temptations away. He said, when the temptations come, may we not yield to those temptations. You can't stop temptations, fellas. You can't stop seeing certain things that you should not see, but you can stop. You can handle uh, the first sight. It's when you look again and again and again and again that you've yielded to the temptation. When my children were little. My wife and daughter would say they would watch the billboards. I still don't see billboards. Most of the billboards are filthy. My wife and daughter would say, everybody looked to the right. Why? Because there's something on a billboard or something was on the left we shouldn't look at. What are we not supposed to look at? It's the way many of us live our life. Uh, don't. If this is sin and this is temptation, why do we walk right here? This preacher preaches, stay over here. Because if you take a step or two that way, you're still not in it. If you live right here and you take a step, guess where you're going? You're done. 
preach some of the rules you think you have for the school and the church and different things. You're a little radical. You're a little too far over here. Yeah, but if your kids fall, they're not going to fall into that. If you listen to somebody that's watched and helped pull people out of that, you'd understand why we put the lines over here. And I'll promise you it works. Pray for God to keep evil from you and for you not to be part of evil. Evil is when you go into conspiracy with someone to hurt someone's character or reputation. That's what gossip is. Gossip is evil. That's two people talking about somebody who can't fix anything. They just want to talk nasty about somebody. And then they want to tell somebody else how nasty that person is. And God calls that evil. Did you know gossip takes an ear? Don't let people puke in your ear. I don't listen to it. I don't listen to it from uh, my church people. I don't listen to it from preachers. I've hung up on many a people. You would hang up? Yeah. I'd rather be rude and hang up than be being evil and listen to it. Everybody doing all right? God says, deliver us from evil. I, nobody likes evil attack, but it's going to come. But we don't have to be evil in retaliation. I have to finish. God didn't say, here's a prayer, pray it over and 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 over again. Religious places all over this world recited that passage of scripture today and people thought they prayed. I'll guarantee it. Thousands and probably millions of people around the world quoted the words we read tonight thinking they prayed. God said, so he did read the outline. You haven't prayed yet. You used vain repetition. It's an outline to pray. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, that was the outline he gave them. Jesus himself gave this outline to his disciples and said, here it is. You pray this, this is how I pray. If you went to John chapter 17, it's a, it's a recorded prayer of Jesus talking to God the Father. If you put this passage up against John 17 and look how it works together. You'll see the outline in John chapter 17. I don't have time to develop it for you tonight. Lord, teach us to pray, not teach us a prayer. I gave you exactly what our Savior gave his disciples. And I have to tell you, after 42 years of preaching and 33 plus years in the ministry, it works. If it worked for Jesus, I think it'll work for us. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done. We all need to pray. We all need to get answers to prayer. But we all need a relationship with God. Who'd say, preacher, somewhere in that sermon tonight, something I needed. Would you raise your hand? Oh, my soul. Dozens and dozens of hands. Thank you. You may put them down. If you've never been saved, you come tonight. We'll take the Bible and show you how you can know for sure. If you've been saved, never baptized, we could take care of that. If you'd like to join the church, you come. Maybe you just want... God, help you pray more. How about you come kneel at an old-fashioned altar 
and come talk to God and say, God, I'm going to start using your outline and I'm going to start getting some things done right in prayer in my life.